there is no theme in which we should be more interested than that of the grace of God. Grace means favor. And everything that we have and everything that we enjoy in this life is an expression of God's grace or God's favor toward us. All the material blessings that we enjoy, the beautiful sunshine that brightens our day, the rain that cools the breezes of summer, the food we eat, the water we drink, all of those blessings might correctly be labeled the grace of God toward man. So for God's grace in this material world, folks, we ought to be tremendously grateful. But this morning, I want us to be concerned with the grace of God in the realm of things that are spiritual. Our text this morning is a more lengthy reading than we usually have, but I think it's vital. And I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 2, the first ten verses. Paul writes to that church there, he says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That passage declares something in unmistakable terms. And that is, by grace are you saved through faith. There are other passages that teach the same truth that I could also mention this morning. But there's no reason to mention any but this one. Without the grace of God, you and I would be eternally and irrevocably condemned to the habitation of the damned throughout all of eternity. Thank God for His wonderful grace and goodness to us. Thank God for His amazing grace. Because through the grace of God, we are able to escape the fate of the lost. 
Through the grace of God, we can find rest and peace in the realm of the blessed. Eternity is going to be too short for the redeemed of God to adequately praise God for His unspeakable gift. The fact that we are saved by grace is something that is too clearly taught in the Bible to ever be questioned by anyone. If we accept the Bible as the inspired, infallible, inerrant Word of Almighty God, then we realize that no man or woman on the top side of God's green earth can ever be saved except by God's grace. But that then begs the question, will all who God's grace is offered to Be saved. In thinking about the salvation of our souls and spending eternity in God, with God in heaven, is grace the only thing that needs to concern us? If the only thing that needs to concern us is grace, then everyone is going to be saved. Because here Paul again in in Titus chapter 2 and verse 11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men. Notice something there. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Not the grace that gives material things, but the grace that gives salvation has appeared to all men. But, Though that grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, this book teaches clearly that many folks are going to be lost. What did Jesus say plainly and unmistakably in Mark chapter 16 and verse 16? Jesus said, He that believeth not shall be condemned. So what does that tell us? From that particular passage right there, we see that faith or belief has something to do with our salvation. Our text states that very clearly. It says, by grace are you saved through faith. So that text, beloved, it suggests two different sides to the salvation of our soul. There's God's side and there's man's side. There's God's part and there's my part. God's wonderful, amazing grace is accepted by our faith. And we have access by faith into this grace Because that's what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5 and verse 2. God's grace is freely given for the whole world. God's grace is capable of saving every person who has ever lived and every person who ever will live upon this earth. But 
only those who accept His grace through faith will be saved. Remember what our text said, by grace are you saved through faith. It is grace that saves us, but it is faith by which that grace is reached. Grace saves. Make no mistake about it. But faith applies grace to us. Food satisfies hunger. But I've got to do more than look at the pictures in the recipe book. I have to apply that food to my body. Water quenches thirst, but only the thirst of the person that drinks the water. So the grace of God saves my soul. It saves the souls of men and women, but only the person that applies that grace through faith. Salvation. The grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men, Paul said. Salvation is God's gift to man. But salvation is not an unconditional gift. Life is God's gift. But it is given through our eating and our drinking and our caring for our body. Sight is a gift of God. But I only see by opening my eyes. Now think about this. We do not. We do not have to worry about God's grace. God's grace is here for everyone. God's part in the scheme of redemption has been perfectly done. Any failures are going to be our failures. A failure of our faith. Well, how are we saved by faith? What kind of faith does it take to reach the grace of God? Certainly, folks, it's not a dead faith. James tells us that faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. James chapter 2 and verse 17. And John tells us in John chapter 12 and verse 42 that many of the chief rulers of the synagogue in the days of Jesus, they believed on Jesus, but they would not confess Him. Why not? Because they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Those people, those rulers of the synagogue, they had faith. They believed. I'm sure they believed. The Bible says they believed, but they were not saved. James tells us in James 2 and verse 10 that even the devils believe. But I'm sure that they're not saved. So we have to ask, what kind of faith must we have? 
What kind of faith must we have to avail ourselves of the grace of God? Paul teaches us in Galatians 5 and verse 6 that the faith which avails is faith that works by love. So certainly, when that same apostle said we're saved by grace through faith, he meant a working faith. Now, stay with me, please. If you put all of these truths from the Bible that we've talked about to this point together, the conclusion we have is that men and women are saved by God's grace through exercising a living, loving, working faith. One of the most dangerous things that people do is speculate about the Word of God. And we don't need to speculate. We don't need to conjecture. We don't need my opinion about what Paul means by being saved by grace through faith. We actually have being saved by grace through faith illustrated for us in the lives of the people Paul wrote that letter to at Ephesus. Remember, it's the church at Ephesus Paul wrote to in our text that we read a moment ago. It was to the church at Ephesus. Paul said, by grace are you saved through faith. So if we can learn what those people in Ephesus did in being saved, then we know what Paul meant by the statement, by grace are you saved through faith. We'll know what it means to be saved by grace through faith. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. In whom you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. What does that passage tell us? That passage tells us that the people at Ephesus heard the gospel of Christ. And somebody says, but wait a minute. They were saved by grace through faith. Yes. So we reach the conclusion that being saved by grace through faith, we hear the gospel. Because those people Paul told were saved by grace through faith, those people had heard the gospel. That same verse tells us that the Ephesians believed in Christ. So being saved by Grace through faith, we must hear the gospel and we must believe in Christ. Because that's what these Ephesians did. And that's who Paul just said were saved by grace through faith. Now I want you to turn to the 20th chapter 
of the book that we call the Acts of the Apostles. Paul in that chapter is addressing the elders of the church at Ephesus. And he's recounting there in Acts chapter 20 the work that he did among the brethren in Ephesus. And in verse 21 he says, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. He's been telling, he's telling those elders at Ephesus what he did while he labored there. In the pre- previous passage, previous verse, he said, I kept back nothing from you. I kept back nothing that was profitable, but I showed you. I taught you publicly from house to house. I testified to Jews and Greeks repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is recounting his work. And he says repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. So those folks at Ephesus, Those folks that Paul wrote to and said, By grace are you saved through faith. They had to hear the gospel. And they had to repent and believe. Well, they were saved by grace through faith. But being saved by grace through faith, men and women must repent. In Acts chapter 19 and verse 18, We read a little bit more there about the people of Ephesus. It says in verse 18, And many who believed, what did they do? They came and they confessed. So the conclusion we reach is that being saved by grace through faith, confession is made. It's in the first few verses of Acts chapter 19 that you read there of the beginning of the church at Ephesus. You have the record there of the first people at Ephesus that were converted to Jesus Christ. And the fifth verse of Acts 19 says that those people at Ephesus were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And to the same people at Ephesus in chapter 4 and verse 5, Paul says there's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Remember, when he said there's one Lord and one faith and one baptism, he's talking to the same people that were saved by grace through faith. So may I ask the question, based on these facts, based on the passages of Scripture and the history of the Ephesian church, are we not safe in concluding that these people Paul said were saved by grace through faith were baptized? And so if we're saved like they were, we must be baptized. Again, stay with me. Because there's a point here that I'm very anxious to make and make it perfectly clear, a point that I want us to understand. The Word of God, this book, says the people of Ephesus were saved by grace through faith. And this same book 
tells us what those people did in being saved. They heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. They had faith in Christ. They repented of their sins. They confessed Christ. And they were baptized. The people of Ephesus did every one of those things as we've read. And Paul says they were saved by grace through faith. Well, beloved, if that's what they did at Ephesus, and Paul said they were saved by grace through faith, is that not the way we're saved by grace through faith? And since God's grace is offered to all mankind. If an individual today hears the story of Jesus and believes in Jesus and repents of sin and confesses faith in Jesus Christ and is baptized into Christ just as the Ephesians were, is that person also not saved by grace through faith? You see, this book, the Bible, this book is its own best interpreter. Personally, I'm afraid of man's interpretations of the Bible, especially the ones on TV with pretty hair and pretty teeth. I'm afraid of those things. I think that, and I hope that what we can see is that this morning, what we have done on this passage is we have allowed the Bible to interpret itself. We have allowed Paul to tell us exactly what he means by being saved by grace through faith. We know something else. God is no respecter of persons. Acts 10 verse 34 tells us that. And so because God is no respecter of persons, anyone saved by grace through faith will be saved the way the Ephesians were. Now, as I've stressed what a person and an individual, there's God's part and man's part. As I have stress this morning what an individual must do to be saved. I have not forgotten something. I have not, not forgotten the fact we are not saved by our own righteousness. Because that text that says, by grace are you saved through faith, it also says, not of works, lest any man should boast. There is no way on the top side of God's green earth that any individual will ever merit salvation because of what they've done. You can't bake enough casseroles, visit enough hospital rooms, or do enough of anything else to merit salvation. We cannot earn enough attaboys or girls to save our souls. We do not earn our way to heaven. 
If we earned our way to heaven, if I got to heaven because of all the attaboys I accumulated, then I wouldn't be saved by God's grace or God's favor. The words that Isaiah spoke were true when he spoke them. They're true today and they always will be. The prophet of old said, All of our righteousness is nothing but filthy rags. Isaiah 64 and verse 6. The Bible makes a distinction between man's righteousness and the righteousness of God. Here's what Paul said of the Israelites of his day. He said, they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness. What about it? They have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God what we have to understand is to do what God commands us to do. To do what God tells us to do, that's not to depend on our own works. Jesus said in John chapter 6 and verse 29 that for man to believe is a work of God. So while believing is an act of man, it's declared by Jesus to be a work of God. And that's true, my friends, of anything God has commanded. So we must not confuse mankind's works of self-righteousness with obedience to the commands of God. To obey what God has told us to do to be saved and to be saved by His grace that is not depending on our own righteousness. When Jesus came, men and women were lost in sin and could not save themselves. And from the glorious heights of heaven, God sent His Son to this earth. And Jesus came. And Jesus brought the way of salvation. And the Son of God, Jesus, today pleads for lost men and lost women to come to Him and to be saved. And that's God's grace brought to us by the greatest love and sacrifice that heaven could ever offer. And when we respond to God's amazing grace in the same way that the Ephesians did, when we respond to God's grace just like those folks at Ephesus did back in the first century, then we're going to be saved just like they were. And being saved by grace through faith, we can sing to the top of our lungs, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind. But now I see it's His invitation as we stand and while we sing.